killed my mother! God damn it! Freedom is invisible. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey guys, welcome to Gundam at MAHQ, or more so Gundam at Comic-Con 2009. That's right, it's your boy Sobro Ryu, and I'm broadcasting from my hotel lobby. <laughs> I'm staying at a, a hotel not too far away from the convention, but um, it's just me, this this particular um segment or, or wrap up for um, day one here at Comic-Con. It's, it's been a long day. It was actually a pretty eventful day though. As the convention first started, I got here and I think it was about 9 o'clock in the morning, a little bit before then, but um, as I got here, pre-registration, I thought the line would have gone as long as the front of the building and then to find out that um, there was a lot more people than I first saw. So um, they made us go all the way behind the building, all the way, or just, just pretty much three-fourths around the convention center is what we had to walk and walk around in order to get our badges. But once that ended, I finally got inside the building and I got to attend some panels. Uh, the first thing I did, though, before I went to any panels was make a beeline for the Capcom booth because I'm, um, I'm a Capcom junkie, as um, you'll hear in the Haters vs. Podcast that'll be um, airing shortly at Gundam.net. But, um, yeah, I'm a Capcom junkie, and um, I went right to the Capcom booth because I wanted to grab the tournament edition joystick that they had there, and they were actually about to run out. Um, unless they're, you know, pulling a fast one on us, going to have more for tomorrow. But, uh, no, I, we got there, and my girlfriend actually bought mine as a um, early anniversary present, and I thought that was really sweet of her. She got that for me while I was standing in line and carried that around all day. Uh, I stayed around the Capcom booth for a little bit. They actually had a Tatsunoko versus Capcom tournament going on, and I got to speak to Seth Killian, who's part of Capcom's PR department and also um, noted um, founder of the Evolution series of tournaments that are held around the country, and then the finals are held in Vegas. One of them, the Evolution 2009, just ended in Vegas last Sunday. And um, there was a really exhilarating fight between two of the noted Street Fighter Four players around the world. Uh, one of them is Daigo Umahara from Japan, and the other one is... Um, Justin Wong from California and it really came down to those two and Seth Killian was doing commentary during that so I got to speak to him a little bit about that and he's a really cool guy got me on stage first during the tournament and I won my first round of the game but the second round I actually fought someone who knew what he was doing and I got promptly whipped at um, Tazanoko versus Capcom but that's all right I'll, I'll, I'll get to play it more before the weekend's over but um, I'm also going to try to get an interview with Seth Killian if I can if he's not too busy and that's all that man looks like is busy so <laughs> but I'm going to try and um, hopefully he'll be more than willing to oblige after that I went to the Capcom panel which was um, held upstairs and they showed off some games during the panel. Some of them, um, you can find trailers for them online. Uh, there is the Lost Planet 2 uh, trailer that they showed. And all these games that they showed are on the floor and they're playable. And I plan on going back to their booth um, sometime this weekend to play them all. But um, they showed the trailer for Lost Planet 2. And they showed Episode 2 of the trailer series they've had going on that they... Um, I guess started at E3. If you go online, you can find that. Next up, they showed a trailer for Dark Void. They actually showed two trailers. They showed one that was especially made for Comic-Con, where they kind of showed off the jetpack that the protagonist uses, kind of like a car commercial. The um, clip, it says, capes are for wussies. I got a reaction out of the crowd, but you'll hear it because I recorded the panel, so you'll get to hear all of that when it goes up. Then next, they showed also... Uh, a trailer for Dark Void that they showed at the E3, which just shows a combination of 
uh, a lot of action that happens in the game. It looks like a real neat game, and for fans of Crimson Skies on the um, an early Xbox game and its sequel, you'll probably dig it the most. And any fans of the Rocketeer finally get to play a, a video game that has a rocket pack adventures if anything i can't wait to try it tomorrow when i go back to the booth next up they showed a trailer for spyborgs what it boils down to is a kind of a new spin at the 2d brawler which is pretty much is you pick you pick one of three characters which are half man half machine and um you go through stages where you beat up enemies and it looks pretty neat it's on the wii i don't have a wii sadly but um a lot of you listeners do so um give spyborgs a shot check it out and um next up uh, they showed off the trailer for the Resident Evil Darkside Chronicles. And I really didn't see much about that game uh, before that, but when seeing the trailer for it, it looks really neat. I, I liked Umbrella Chron- Chronicles on the Wii. Uh, I actually got that game shortly before I got rid of my Wii, and it was a good game. This one, it's a culmination of some of the story of Resident Evil 2 and also of Code Veronica. So those people, anybody who's played those games might get a kick out of this. But it's kind of an action gun game like House of the Dead with slight differences here and there. Last they showed a trailer for the new Ace Attorney game, Miles Edgeworth Investigations. Unlike um, the previous Ace Attorney games where you're in the courtroom, this one you're more so um, investigating the crime on the, at the scene of the crime. And you've got to figure out who did it. And when you do, you confront the person and you put the evidence, um, you weigh the evidence against them and you, you get them to confess that they did the murder. And it looks really interesting. Uh, I like the previous Ace Attorney games. I know, I know a lot of friends of mine also enjoy the series like Chris and Pedro and uh, my boy Nick the Stampede. They're branching out and making it more interactive. So that makes it really neat. And I, I can't wait to play it when it comes out. After the Capcom panel was over, uh, I returned to one of the panels we went to last year, which was the Manga Lost in Translation panel. And surprisingly, it had all the same speakers that it had last year. You'd figure it'd be the same kind of panel, but what really makes this panel neat is that they just go, in the beginning of the panel, they go into um, explaining what they do, and then they turn it over to everybody in the audience to ask questions. So that's the random factor that makes it different every time. And a lot of great questions were asked about the manga industry some um, kind of questions were also asked during during the panel mainly um, pointed towards mark simmons who was there and he answered some questions about double o so there's some content in that panel that our gundam fans that listen to gundam will want to take note of after that panel was over uh then there was the bandai panel which i notoriously missed last year neo and i one of the one of the sad things was is that um mark simmons had some things they had to attend to after the um Lost in Translation panel was over, so he couldn't stick around for the Bandai panel. So I didn't get the chance to um, interview him because the Bandai panel was coming up right after the manga Lost in Translation panel. So um, I got to see him and talk to him. His um, his wife, Julie, she was wearing a t-shirt that made me laugh. It was a, a scene from Gundam The Origin, the very first scene where Kai and Sailor meet. And Kai is um, all freaked out because the Xeon are attacking um, Side 7. And he just wants to run for it, and Sailor slaps him. And it's like the two shots of that, like before and after. And it was just, it's in its original Japanese, but I knew the scene right away. And anybody who's seen um, First Gun will know it too. But it was a really funny t shirt. Anybody finds that t shirt out there, let me know where to get it. Finally, the the Bandai panel, they pretty much um, showed us a bunch of trailers for a lot of the upcoming animes they have coming out or already have out. Um, I don't think there there really wasn't any questions asked. And when you listen to the panel, you hear that there's a lot of, uh, they had a lot of technical difficulties at the beginning of it. I don't know why the Comic-Con staff didn't have anybody running the uh, 
the soundboard, but you'll hear it in there. There's a lot of times where there's mic feedback, and it's, it's like um, you attended one of our um, live gun dams <laughs> with all the technical problems we have. But um, no, they finally got underway, and they um, showed a lot of trailers, actually. The first one was for uh, Kanagi, uh, Crazy Shrine Maidens, and... It looked pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of got that Moe vibe to it, but at the same time, it's got some hilarious elements. Um, all these trailers you can probably find on their YouTube channel, which is um, www.youtube.com slash Bandai Entertainment. And if you go there, um, you can probably see any of these trailers that they showed. I'll try to put links to them when I post up the, um, the total episode of all the panels that I attended and recorded at Comic-Con. But... Um, after the trailer for Kanagi, they showed the trailer for Eureka 7 um, for the movie, um, Good Night, Sleep Tight, Young Lovers. They also, it was the, not only the trailer for it, but it was the trailer for the movie, the theatrical release of the film. Uh, apparently Fathom, a company that likes to put um, animes in the theaters, you've probably seen commercials where they post a, a showing of an anime or a Japanese movie for one night only. Well, they're doing that for Eureka 7 on the 24th of September, and um, Bandai was pretty, um, pretty excited about getting the word out for that. I'm so excited that they also showed the trailer at the end of the, um, they showed it again at the end of the panel before they closed it out. And um, after showing that, they showed the trailer for The Sword of the Stranger. And I never saw the trailer for that before, but it looks really good. kind of has that Ninja Scroll vibe where it's in Samurai Japan. And it's got a lot of action, and I'm quite excited to see it. Next up, they showed the trailer for Kurokami. It takes place in modern day. The main protagonist is a female, but there's also a guy that fights along with her. And they look like they get in a lot of street fights. But um, it looks cool. Um, but it kind of has me excited to check that out. Uh, next up, they showed a trailer for Code Geass R2, and um, that made the crowd go wild. And um, it was you probably seen the trailer for it already, but it, it's a really good trailer. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, next, they showed a trailer for Gundam Double O. Even though they have the new season out right now, they really were advertising the um, original season, which they have out now in two forms. They released it, um, I guess, all of the season one in one box. And then they have a special edition, which comes with every episode of season one, plus two issues of two series of Double O mangas. They have now all come in this box set for Gundam Double O. And um, if you see it on the shelf, you should pick it up. I'm going to go get mine soon uh, when I get some money. <laughs> then they showed trailers for other stuff. Um, Gurren Lagann also got a loud um, appreciative clap from the audience, too. And they showed the trailer and all the different versions they have out for Gurren Lagann. Um, they're also packing up that series in big sets as well. They showed a clip for Lucky Star, the OVA. Showed the trailer for Hayate Combat Butler, Dot Hack, GU, the trilogy uh, movie. They showed that trailer. And then um, the re-release of Ghost in the Shell 2, Innocence. They showed the trailer for that. And that's coming out not only on DVD, but also Blu-ray. And then another show caught my eye. Um, I didn't know the show existed, but apparently the production team behind Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex has a new show coming out, or had a new show that came out called True Tears, and it's an original story that they produced themselves, and I would have written it off as some kind of Moe show, but after seeing the trailer, it looks really interesting, and I think I might check it out. And then um, they showed a trailer for another show called Sola, and then they let us know that they're splitting up Freedom into two sets which they just recently released all on Blu-ray, I believe. And um, they're going to break it down into two sets on DVD. 
And then also um, Eureka 7 Complete Box 2 is coming out on DVD if it's not out already. And then they talked about some mangas that are out here and some light novels as well. Code Geass has um, novels out here that are published by Bandai as well as some light novels which give a lot of backstory on this series and some of the characters. And it has me very interested because I would like to know some of the things they left out of the show. And from what they said, a lot of that stuff is in those light novels. So if anybody's interested in Code Geass or watching Code Geass right now and you want to get more of the experience, go ahead and pick those up. There's also other um, Code Geass mangas out there like Suzaku of the Counterattack and Nightmare of Nunnally, which are also out here now. Of course, there's the manga of Gurren Lagan. They also showed uh, the manga of The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Lucky Star, which is on its second printing. Gundam Double O, which of course comes with a special edition DVD as well. Eureka 7, and Witchblade Takaru, which is um, a manga version of Witchblade, which um, is joint published by Mad Cow and Bandai. And like I said before, they showed off the um, Eureka 7 trailer again. But um, all in all, it was a pretty eventful day. I recorded all three of those panels, and after I get back home, I'll definitely put together another Comic-Con um, show killer so you guys can hear all the panels again. There's a lot more panels for tomorrow, though I wish I brought my my book down so I can give you guys a sneak preview of what I'm going to go and then um, go and check out tomorrow. Plus, uh, I text Dale, who's also here today. I didn't really get to see him, but he went to the District 9 um, screening. And also they did some other things. So when I finally get the chance to sit down with him, we'll go ahead and talk about his experiences as well. And um, that's about it for now. I'm freaking exhausted, so I'm going to go hit the sack. But um, you guys take care, and we'll do this all again tomorrow with some more um, updates from Comic-Con. Damn these glasses, son. Yes, sir. I condemn thee. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is, uh, this is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, with, I'll go. And we're back. This segment of the Comic-Con special, we attended the Bandai panel where they went over their releases that are coming in the next year. And it's all laid before you in this panel right here on Gundam at MAHQ. Hello, welcome to Bandai Panel. Hello, welcome to Bandai Panel. Uh, producer from uh, Bandai, uh, Taku Otsuka. Taku Otsuka, like Hanaki, Lucky Star, Koso Shell, 
So uh, a few important things to remember. It will be one night only, September 24th. And tickets will be on sale on August 21. So tickets go on sale at fathomevents.com on August 21. And this will be the English uh, dub version as well, which is being prepared for the event. It'll be kind of the premiere of the English dub version, which is being put together by our good friends at Bain Zoom. So uh, look for that. And uh, in theaters near you, you can find out about the theaters from Fathom Events. And we'll also have the theater listing on our website. But again, it's going to be 432 theaters, so you have a really good chance to see it. And that's the uh, website for the movie as well, if you want to uh, get information there. Sort of the Stranger is currently out on DVD and Blu-ray. I will show you the trailer really fast.
Card Comedy is released on DVD. Uh, it will be uh, the first television series of ours released as well on Blu-ray. So look for that. Um, dates TBD. Okay. Proteus. You are like just in Hawaii. Oh, that's there. Good job, Eric. If you want to force the lights, come here. <laughs> Alright, uh, Cookies is currently airing on Adult Swim, uh, R2 Season 2, and I'll show you the trailer now. Always existing, the animals grow and be tempted to all other seals. So if we can grow together, we're going to be able The girl in the wheelchair comes first on my mother, dammit! That's correct. Zero possesses a supernatural power. I don't know what to do next. I have no time to argue which of us is the bigger hypocrite. Oh, I'll be preparing the party. Listen, Zero's in Tokyo, and I'm gonna finish it with my own hands. Your chaos power is quite convenient, isn't it? You killed your own father, didn't you? We'll give the public a spectacular show that will see whatever they hope to see. Now! Welcome to the Yeah. 
video message from an organization that claims it is responsible for preventing the attack and saving the station. We call ourselves simply Celestial Beings. We are a private armed organization in possession of the mobile weapon Gundam. Hey, we just need to fight with the entire world. Do you know what that means, Sensor? Yeah. I know because we're the Gundam Meisters, the celestial being. So season one, um, first part DVD, as you as you can see is available now. And there's a regular as well as a special edition, which includes the manga for uh, the manga adaptation, which is called Gundam Double O, as well as a side story called Gundam Double O X. The first two volumes of each manga are available with uh, the DVD, so it's a very nice special edition. And you can get that now. Kurin Lagan uh, is available now. Um, Three-part uh, bilingual edition is currently on sale. There's an LED box for part one, uh, which contains uh, also contains um, uh, excuse me LED box for part three, which contains the manga Kurin uh, Lagan manga one. And I want to mention that. And uh, those are all available now. And you'll see a little bit of the uh, series. Digging tunnels, day after day, that's my job. The more we dig, the more the village can expand. Oh, look, you can see all the digger. He's so gross, he's <laughs> This village is all we have. For untold generations, we've been warned to never unseal the canopy that keeps us safe. This mysterious surface of yours doesn't exist. My helmet doesn't. I've seen it myself. Look up! That's the surface. This big mud fell from the surface. From above the ceiling. You took this town. Cast off the boy you used to be. It's now or never. 
NBA, we'll show you quickly that. We got the trailer, but you'll see clips from uh, the upcoming OBA.
Pathway Freshman Hunt Day actually came out this week, and uh, part two, um, we don't want part two something? September for part two. Not Pack GU Trilogy Jabuti. Uh, coming soon, and I will show you the trailer. I'm gonna 
party before. Uh, I believe it's, uh, it's out now. Volume 5 is coming very soon. Uh, we also have a series of light novels. Um, Stage 2, Night, is coming out. And I really encourage you, if you're a fan of the show, to check out the novels, because there's a lot of information in the novels, not in the manga or in the anime. It really expands on the relationship of Lelouch and Suzaku. So uh, give it a shot. And there's a side story called uh, Suzaku of the Counterattack, a two-volume side story, which uh, kind of reimagines the series of Kogias. It tells it more from Suzaku's point of view. Uh, makes some interesting changes to the continuity and storyline. So that's on sale now. And uh, we also have another side story called The Nightmare of Memory, which is a super popular uh, series in Japan. And it, again, like Suzaki tells the story from a slightly different point of view, which is what if um, Lelouch's sister, Emily, also had ideas. So it's very interesting how that plays out. So I would encourage you to check out the manga. And Gurren Lagann, uh, Volume 1 is on sale. Volume uh, 2 is shipping uh, next week. Um, and there are up to four volumes that have already been released in Japan, so we'll be uh, you know, continuing the series. Check it out. Uh, Girl Who Left Through Time is in stores now. This is a great movie, and this is the manga adaptation of a great movie, which also includes material not seen in the film. So, uh, Please check that out as well. And Lucky Star, I hope you know. It's on sale now. We're going to a second printing. So Lucky Star is doing very, very well. <coughs> volume 1, Volume 2. Uh, we'll be shipping in a, about two months. And August and October, we have the Gundam 00 adaptation manga, which I mentioned is also available right now uh, in the limited edition DVD. Uh, if you uh, want to wait, for the book itself, it'll be available in August, and the Gundam Double OF Volume One Side Story will be available in stores in October. Again, you can get both now in the limited edition. And we're also uh, releasing some compilations of Eureka Seven Volumes One through Three will be in a, a complete collection on the bus coming in September, and we're going to be doing the same with the second half of the series. And uh, we're doing a similar thing with Witchblade Takaru, which we released uh, in conjunction with our friend the Top Cow. We're compiling the two individual volumes into a single omnibus edition coming in November. And uh, one last time, I'm going to hit you over the head with our event. Uh, Eureka 7 the movie, one night only, September 24th in a theater near you. And tickets go on sale at Fathom Events, August 21. And that is www.fathomevents.com. And we're going to take a final look at it. Let's put from the Eureka 7 movie. The highly anticipated Eureka 7, Good Night, Sleep Tight, Young Lovers, is coming to a movie theater near you for an exclusive one-night event, Thursday, September 24, featuring exclusive behind-the-scenes footage and interviews. Go to FatlyEvents.com for theaters and ticket information. Alright, thank you. That concludes the I know you love Q&A, and if you 
if you ask a, a good question. I guess we don't have a mic, Celia, so I'm going to just pick people up and we're going to start right here. Uh, 
circling the internet that there is going to be another Gundam series based on the Universal Century timeline. It is also rumored that this is going to be released in November. Are these reports true or are they completely false? Well, in Japan it is. Oh, most America? Uh, okay. <laughs> Someone in the back. How about, uh, yeah, the Do a couple of the lights. Oh, for the Doc Hack movie? 
um, that you're releasing is only going to be subtitled. But I was wondering why that was just compared with the group series and the game were done. <coughs> why is that subtitled? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, just certain things we look at and we, we decide, you know, as Tim mentioned, yeah, primarily we dump series that we think there's a, also a broadcast potential. Um, you know, and with today's market, we look at certain things we and we have a certain expectation of how it'll do. And sometimes we decide, okay, this makes more sense to be subtitled only. So it's, it's not really a formula. It's just case by case. Um, that, that's really the honest answer. Yes. Let's see. Okay, someone right here. I'm not penalizing people for being too close. Go the Global Weapon Time was fantastic pickup by Mankind, I loved it. Is there any chance that uh, the director's next movie, Summer Wars, would be picked up by Mankind? Oh, man, I want to see that. Okay, so? We reached, but we don't have time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go in the corner. Uh, yeah. In the corner? Yeah, you're turning and looking at the wall. That's good. <laughs> I noticed in the Lucky Star OVA prep you used the um, translation Tsundere, and I was wondering why keep Tsundere and why not translate it also. If not translate it, why not use translator notes, sort of like at the top? That's a great question for producer, Taco Oscar. <laughs> producer of the Lucky Star OVA. Well, I can't remember uh, for the TV series, but you might have, you did it good like Lagerman's the TV series, but you might have included a no, I'm assuming they are ready to decide to just do it through the day. Not included on the OVA. Right, we're assuming people that are the OVA that like to watch the TV series, so we already like have a way of the entrance. Good question. Let's get a job on the white t-shirt. I think I'm able to stop the well, that's another great question for talking. What is the difference, uh, or like to chat as well, between making a DVD and a Blu-ray in 20 seconds? Uh, well, for Blu-ray, it's like it's not hard to get that position. So obviously, we need to use a better source method. You can find out that you can or you can't have which will have the whole 1080p in the back of the ship. Really? We, we, we do not 
Good question. Okay, and I'll get you because I confused you, and then I'll get two people over here. I go with like code kiosk, RK, and then double O. Do you plan them to build on the blue area? Currently, that was shared with our Stay tuned. Let's get the gentleman in the glasses right there. Uh, is there any plan or interest in releasing the new Haruki Suzumiya episodes that are currently airing in Japan? Any new interest in Haruki? I'm afraid that's classified. I have a question about the girl who left. No, no, I'm sorry. You have two people talking. Yes, the lady right here. Oh, Natalie? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, Natalie, because we, you know, we are involved in the creative side of what's happening with cookies. But it is very popular, so check out the monitor. Now I'll get the young lady right here. Come and get your shirt. Okay. Um, I have a question about the girl who left through time. Yes. I watched the anime, and then CMX recently, last year, released a manga version, but it's different than the manga you're releasing. Why is that? Uh, the manga released by CMX is uh, a manga adaptation of the original novel. There's a novel that was published in the 60s, um, which is what all of these are based on, so that's the CMX version. Our manga is specifically an adaptation of the movie, which is sort of a sequel to the novel, so it's kind of like... Also, are you releasing any more Gundam series? Gundam series, like anime? Yeah. Uh, Gundam is always... Uh, there's a lot of material, and, and the way it works in Japan, um, as Ken explained once a long time ago, is there's a committee that kind of uh, we work with and decide and as to when things get released at a certain time. So hopefully one day we'll get to all of it. <laughs> Two more questions. We'll take uh, the white. Uh, I know certain older series can be mastered like How does what? How does it work? Uh, a lot of technical questions. I'm going to throw it to the guys again here. How do we go about remastering an old series?
$1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the f*** up! And we're back. In this panel, I attended the panel for Level 26, which is an upcoming um, interactive novel series by the minds behind CSI. Hope you enjoy. Thanks very much. Enjoy and uh, 
power for CSI. This is uh, a CSI with edge. Truth be told, I'm not the best reader in the world. I wanted to run a TV show for CSI that involves science and stuff, flashbacks, recreations. But for this particular project, I wanted to be able to have a better screening experience. So I decided to create a digital model. What it is, basically, is a convergence of publishing, movies, internet, all wrapped into one. And here's how it works. So you log in, you read the book, it'll be on September 8th. And if you're going to free, you log into a website, all26.com, enter a code. And you can watch a piece of three minute footage that's printed from one chapter to another. And there's 20 speed bumps in the book. So there's a love scene, horror scene, CSI scene, music video. Sometimes you get to help a killer who actually wants your phone back. It's interactive like that. So, by uh, doing this, and also, if you want to read the book on the cover, obviously, if there's no problem, it'll really trick you on the cover. If you want to read it, you walk in. It's the best experience. It's beautiful, available on the iPhone. The eye judge and available on September 8th and hard back for So what is level 26? What does that mean? Well, there are 25 levels of serial killer. Level 1 is just a crazy guy who kills his wife. Level 25 is like Charles Manson. So we decided to unlock into level 26, which is the next level up here. This is my forensic-proof body common villain. And where's this? Where's this latex thing Spiegel? We got that name because the uh, hat, the woman to death, got a car wash. And was hiding in the trunk. Of course, he curled himself up into a rabbit tire. And when he killed her in the car stop, there was a three-year-old in the back, and all he kept saying was, Sweet, sweet, sweet. And when he heard it, from the windshield wipers, he got the name Sweet. I don't know where it came from, it's going to pop into my head. He was born about seven years ago in my mind in the shower. And I wanted to like, <laughs> Over. 
20 people, and he actually killed Steve Jobs' entire family, which caused him to retirement. In this book, what happens is Spilacci uh, shows up inside his house with his pregnant wife, so he's forced to come back in and kiss people once and for all, and hence our origin and our beginnings begins. So that's kind of the one letter of the project. Uh, we're going to hand it over to uh, next to Miles and Gregory, who will take up the social networking component of the project. We'll talk to Mark. We'll read a sample a page from the book, and we'll show us that bridge. We'll open up the Q&A at the very end. Thank you very much for coming, and uh,
and just made it, it, it making history an interesting object out of it. And then at the end, hopefully, you know, creating art assets that could be meaningful to the level 26 brand. Um, and that was really the, you know, the intent of the hookup. Uh, and it was an amazingly gratifying professional experience. And yeah, I would say the, the secrets of life is, is, uh, is learning. And I learned a tremendous amount by being associated with this guy. And I just feel really lucky to have the opportunity.
Regan shrugged his hands in his pockets and shuffled toward the light tail.
approach the code word on the website, it'll unlock the bridge on the website and then go back to Kindle. Okay, Uh, based on the success of the book and book sales, we will commit to keep it open for 
as long as possible. You know, if we're so fortunate to have a broken train, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, we'll probably definitely honor the record going and make sure that it's a beautiful experience. We're going to shortchange it just based on, you know, going and setting it up. So, we believe, uh, what I want to say is very important is the, the book has to be great first. I believe you've done that. Uh, these bridges that I've never shot was by directing me and you. It's the first time on the camera. It's a lot of fun and a lot of support. And the website is just as important as any other. And like Frank said earlier, I will be part of the site every single day. I'm committing to do this. Like I told the press earlier, you know, just because I create a CSI and those shows doesn't mean that I, I you know, get a free pass and a level of authenticity with you, the community. So I'm starting that as of yesterday from scratch, writing blogs for the first time, connecting with you guys. We try to grow a community into something really, really great. I was going to say driver. Was this project in its entirety, including video, financed by the publisher of the book? And how did you choose the publisher for such a progressive project? Did you already have a relationship with Dutton? Uh, have they done something that told you that they were the ones with this kind of project? It's a great question. Thanks for asking that. Um, we pitched eight publishers uh, in New York City had seven offers the same thing. They got to many more between I carry and Enough. Uh, Vincent Air, uh, who's here to make the Vincent Enough. Vincent Air and wrote me a beautiful long letter explaining that they understood this project up well and wanted to have it. They really got what I was trying to do. And I was so, uh, so touched by the passion of that letter that I went with them. They've been amazing, amazing partners. They've been so supportive and so honoring the author's voice. Ben's a great, great editor. He's made the book with Dwayne Krasinski. He needs to be mentioned as a novelist. He was an unbelievable guy. He did a great job. Uh, I want to disclose, you know, disclose that I was paid seven figures for the three books. We divided those seven figures into three. They put every single penny that they paid in the project. They paid, they paid for no production. They just gave the money for, for the project. I put everything back in the project. We're $100,000 over. You know, we're in debt of 100 grand right now. Uh, because we want this to be believed in this. We want this to be great. And uh, like, I, like I told the press this morning, it's not a 15-year-old with a camcorder. You know, this is a real crew with real cameras, with real actors, with real shooting. We shot 10 days, 14-hour days, a lot of, a lot, a lot of money in post. Uh, you know, a speed, Jimmy Gonzalez from Vegas, and all that great sounds like you said. But, all this other great business. We paid for a nice chunk of change for all our quality. Um, and it's a lot of get a lot of freebies, you know, uh, and just like to leave the market. And <coughs> I will say probably honestly, the entire launch, including the book of the actors and the shoot, is about a million dollars for the book. And we believe that it helps lead people to buy it and like the experience, and we'll, we'll do it as long as you like. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, what do you have to say about international overseas purchase and download? It's a great question. I do believe So, there is our app to overseas. So Ben, let's just get up. This is Ben Gigatron. He built the iPhone. Ben built this amazing iPhone app that launched September 8th. It's kind of confidential, so shh. Uh, it's the iPhone experience. We auto the book, we love 
work on your handset, put the page, watch the room right there, and keep clipping. It's a really great experience. You know, when you have to work on book your website, I'm sorry, Mitch. I know, you want to set books too. Then also downloads. Uh, we're going to take transcripts of every single international publisher that bought the book and try to commit to do the app um, in every language. We all get pre-sold the book in most languages already. Uh, without disclosing figures, the money that they pay me for three books has already been made back by just the first book we've sold book yet. So I think internationally people are more hungry for this kind of content. And um, what I love is for the globe to experience the reading, watching, and logging in phenomenon. It becomes a success. Yeah. Right. I, I think that you know, bring your own fitness and hopefully with the international international websites around the world with the appropriate languages, maybe a couple of Yes. So I mean, right now the website's in English. I mean, it's, it, the website and the video content is available to anyone who's going to talk to In terms of the software platform that we've used uh, to power the site, which actually we've got one of your other questions too, it's the same um, like kernel of code that we've been using for our new sites, so like the um, Harvard Build website and some of the other ones. So from from like a will this thing be around for um, for a while and the plan is yes obviously. And most importantly all the updates that we do to any of our websites sort of translate across them. Um, it's not that complicated for us to do translations of it. We aren't doing it right off the bat, but um, as books start to roll out on markets we can um, my question is actually somewhat related. Um, are you you planning to support other platforms for your mobile ebook readers, such as you know BlackBerry, PSPs, other similar devices? Um, can you read it completely online so that you don't have to just be swapping back and forth because I can read 20 pages in about two minutes? Um, and also, are you going to support other ebook readers, such as the Sony ebook reader, or specifically? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Uh, we, we're, we're, definitely, we're definitely working on doing something PC-based that will make you very, very happy. And I can't talk about that until October, maybe sometime. Um, as long as the device can handle the written word, I'll allow it. Uh, I, I'm very adamant to, I was very against the Kindle, but I gave in just because it's important for books held. But I want to make sure that the device can handle the experience in its totality. If a Sony reader or a library can read text, then I'll allow it. You know, you go back to the website. Um, I think the rumored launch of the iTablet for Apple could be a great thing for this, this project going forward. Uh, but I, I want as many people to read the book as possible and enjoy it. You know, if you're bouncing back and forth from device to web or immersion all one experience, the great thing is it's the first time that the book's going to be available in almost any possible format that's out there. Um, on the go, anytime you want, which I think is the future of how you consider content. So we're definitely working on that, and we're pretty proud of it. It's funny that you could um, take, uh, have a digital, how do you take the, the narrative and exploit it in all these digital assets, and how the digital could somehow make maybe the paper of the book somehow. That's why we were very made sure that first and foremost we had a logic book you hold in your hand. That was so important to us. We just don't want to bypass the publisher and just do something that's online. People still love the whole books, the read books, the bookmarks of books, the book on the shelf. And uh, you know, the cover of our design is beautiful and they did a wonderful job 
you know, documentation required is on a high level. It'll be out September 8th. And, um, we'll be trying to do this at the highest level.
So, um, so on the technology standpoint, you know, for our company, our goal as an organization is we want to create the most like engaging, like creative, cool websites for people to really easily get on the site, um, bring all their stuff on that website from around the web, and then socialize with their friends in the context of this content or creative experience. So, um, you know, we're definitely in a lot of public campaign and we have a ton of conversations about like, crazy, cool, like, find people who are reading this chapter nearby me and like, crazy stuff like that to really make it just awesome and interactive. So, time for one more question. Uh, yes, excellent. And also, before I forget, the, the photograph on that cover was taken by Missy Suicide, of the Suicide Girls, a friend of mine. And we'll be launching a uh, September 8th exclusive multi set at suicidegirls.com. So if you're a Suicide Girl fan, check it out. Last question. Yes, sir. Yeah, hi. This may actually be more of a question for Duck, which I realize no one from Duck is here. But I'll talk more. Awesome. I'm really curious to see you know, what you might have to say about this or how much thought you're Are you going to be providing any kind of point of purchase marketing and display support for bricks and mortar retailers? In store display, postcard? Not just digital marketing, which is not a great idea for digital marketing, but in store display items that can kind of educate fans and consumers about how this new concept works? Well, I, I think you know, I think the answer is in some of the Barnes and Noble and and borders, you know, I met with them in New York personally. I showed them some sample bridges. They were very, very excited. Um, they purchased many, many books and different outlets. Um, I think there are some statues in the stores in September 8th. Uh, there's, a, there's a welcome letter from me. It's like, it's like a platform book which explains you know, very simply the concept. Uh, we're doing Charlie Rose, Fast Company Arbor coming out on the whole project, Mexican uh, Arbor, I believe. We did a lot of press around that in the last time. We hope that will help educate people about it. And uh, the response has been very, very positive to make sure that people can test it as brand new. I believe this is going to be So we're very happy to have not only an in-store campaign, but a great model campaign also. No, it's interesting to ask, I work for a local tailor, and actually some customers who are asking this question. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Did you go to the code red? Damn right I did. In this next segment, this is the Manga Lost in Translations panel, and um, you might remember this from last year's uh, Comic-Con special that we did. I attended it again, and Mark Simmons, one of the people responsible for the translation of Gundam in America, was there along with other panelists. Enjoy. Well, like, we had people line up in the middle of the uh, ones to ask the question. So, 
So, uh, you know, we'd like to do that first. But first, what we'll do is uh, have everybody in the and Mark, do you want to start up? Is that the same? Oh, okay. Uh, um, it's all going to be more impressive from here on. I'm going to start off with Melanie and the uh, potential potential. Um, I actually, the reason why I'm on this panel is I also work for uh, Amazon and uh, Sunrise for the Pendant franchise, uh, which involves uh, both uh, sort of advising on the anime script translation, the rules of establishing English spellings and terminology so across the entire product line of toys and videos and even some things they're putting out in Japan and have been experienced. So how should we spell this in English? And so then we have to get the books. And, uh, so it's kind of a different side of kind of more of a marketing side, which uh, it's a perspective. But that was pretty heavy into research. I mean, you did a lot of really good research on all of the others. So I've worked with a lot of translators uh, dealing with the interviews and reviews and you know, reports uh, and it's just, uh, that's my background and I've uh, the same translated comics and a lot of like Yasha, stuff like that. Hi, my name is Stephen Paul. I actually am a translator. Uh, I've worked with uh, a bunch of the companies that, that uh, publish manga, uh, Tokyo Pop, Delray, Press, Biz. Um, I, I've done a few, few things that are sort of famous. I did a bet for Tokyo Pop. Um, and uh, actually one thing that I just finished a few months ago, which I'm excited about, is Yen Press uh, re-translation of Cosmoga Dyer, which is supposed to come out in the I'm not a translator. I'm Jason Thompson. I'm the author of Monica the Complete Guide and the uh, Monica editor for Coffee USA. Um, before that, I worked for Viz for 10 years and I was a Monica editor. And um, I knew, knowing a little bit of Japanese, I was able to, uh, I was able to edit and uh, sort of work on the rewriting, uh, the kind of bad time way to describe it. Work on the uh, proofreading and name checking and um, a lot of stuff related to uh, a lot of business manga, like most of the Shonen Jump manga, like Naruto, Dragon Ball, Yu-Gi-Oh! and so on. Uh, and right now I'm writing a OEL manga called King of RPGs for uh, Del Rey, which is coming out next year. My name is Jonathan Tarbox. I got my start in manga working in a manga company in Japan, Coinix, and I have done just about all of it. I've uh, edited, translated, published, done marketing for just about everything in manga business. Uh, what the famous title of uh, Slam Dunk, Fist of the North Star, City Hunter, Black Cat, Eyes, and Oishimbo, which your last panel, you didn't even neglect it, even though it was up there on the screen. So. Very good. 
And, you know, it wouldn't be half as bad if they, you know, it was just a few pages to get you hooked into it so that you can go out and buy the series. But, you know, that's why a lot of, I think, Japanese publishers are now really looking at digital manga as a medium because they realize that that, that may be the way to the future. It's, um, the problem is, especially those of us who have been in the industry for a long time, is when things got started out, it was the same with scandalations as it was with band subs. At first, that's how the business, that's how, not the business, that's how the fandom got started in America, and that's how a lot of people got into it. And so we have these fond old memories of the old days where the business was small, nothing was available, but now that it's a, the business is in a whole different uh, stage of development, it is the point where now across the board publishing is is going down. People are buying less books. Now we can't help but look at it as a problem where people are simply not paying for the business that's going to keep us all in business. And it's not just us being selfish about our job. It's like she said, the artists aren't getting it. And the bottom line is that the publishers will stop publishing it if they can't make a buck doing it. And, it, and, and the artists will stop drawing it if they can't make a living. Therefore, the artists are having a hard enough time making a living as it is. It's worth remembering that with, when we were talking about anime with the origin of like, uh, subtitling, the fan subs and the commercial subtitles really got going right at the same time. Because they're both using the same technology. They both launched pretty much simultaneously. The big difference is kind of the same difference we're getting now is that um, the fan market is being faster at changing the business model than the actual commercial industries are because they have to grind slower in terms of changing everything. Clearly, if it's on the internet, if it's free, you know, no contest if you know, you're a consumer. But at the same time, you know, people who are putting it out are what they must have to figure out a way to like make enough money off to live on. So basically, it comes down to both here and in Japan, people have to figure out a way of like delivering stuff to people in a way that's going to keep everyone, you know, putting food on the table and at the same time giving you what you want fast enough, you know, because like one of the big reasons that people read scanlations is because they want to read it now, they don't want to be here now, so they can get online. So it's kind of the case where the industry is turning over, publishing is going through a real period of change. And we're going to see a lot of things happening in the next few years of like and all for for exactly the same problem. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few years in terms of like how the market. This is more of an anime question. Uh, every once in a while, uh, I'll hit a name that's like easy to remember but almost impossible to say. And uh, like uh, Bones of what's got double zero, there's this guy named Hallelujah. And it's really fun to say, and I actually had to practice it before I got here. Because I could never say that, because it's like a freaking song, whatever. And then you know, like, kind of like, Hallelujah is even harder for me to say. Now, does the difficulty of the name, or uh, like if it doesn't have like common Japanese name, does that make it a more difficult job for you guys? Like, do you ever edit the name, or do you keep it exactly the same? I'm a strong believer in keeping the names exactly the same as they were. In, you know, it's a Romanized version of the Japanese name. 
Yeah, I'm basically the same thing that I believe in too. I mean, even though it's hard for me to say that, like the more I say it, I get used to it. But every once in a while, there might be a situation where I can say, I know what's going on. Where you can't actually, uh, like, the voice actor they got will never be able to say his name right now. Or, or it sounds like the little guy they chose isn't saying it right at all. Well, you actually, you were, your original comment was great. This is an anime issue. Sometimes the voice actors, great actors, don't know anything about Japanese and will pronounce the names in a way that I find rather irritating. We in manga business are lucky. We just have to write it. Having worked on the double O translation, <laughs> I, I think I can at least feel that one specifically for the Conan show. We actually, we, they, they have us compiled pronunciation guides. Not only do we set the terminology, but we actually have to go through a period. If you are, you know, a Canadian voice actor trying to write his name for the first time, we have, okay, here's how it sounds in Japanese, and here's how the spelling is decided. And here's what the human tongue is being open out to. And you just have to kind of try and arrive at a viable compromise. <laughs> it's not necessarily an easier for the voice actors to say, oh, you have to oh, you have to over and over again. It is for you, but one hopes eventually they get used to it. But on the whole, it's like, hey, strive for fidelity. But I think the days when anybody would fan an or or in say history would accept changing names to make easier for Western audiences are kind of uh, I don't think you really can see that. But I think, I think the other thing that some people might be interested to hear is that these decisions are not always in the hands of the translator. Sometimes they're not even in the hands of the American editor. Some of these decisions are made from far above, even on the Japanese side. And one particular example of anime versus manga is that the series Tintei or Nights of the Zodiac, which I worked on the manga side, some of the, I mean, a lot of these names were Western names uh, in the Japanese. And all they had to be done was Romanize and spell correctly for the Greek or the Roman original spelling in English letters. But the decision was made on the biz side based on what Deke used on the anime. And we couldn't use the, some of the original names because Deke had already decided for the anime which names to use in English. And if they changed names, then in order for the manga to match the anime, which doesn't always happen either, especially if they are produced by different companies, then we would have to match our theirs, and we only started falling back on canon when Deke stopped producing anime. There's also a, um, uh, some, some, of them, some of them have a overseeing convenience, and they make all the decisions. When I was doing Pokemon, there was a, there was a committee that made all the decisions on all of the names. So no matter if we wanted to be uh, state uh, with the Japanese, pronunciation, they wouldn't give the license. Do you still have those charts? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have it somewhere. Uh, I wonder if like, like, all the names are German. All the original 150, and then some of them would think to not get quite decided. So sometimes it's really overhead. You guys want to have that Do you, like, did that ever happen? Like, you they're all changed. Well, then, uh, there, there were a few Pokemon that, that had uh, original names that were a little different. Coughing and Weezing were originally NY and LA. <laughs> 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 so, so there, there, there are some that changed midway through the process. Right, right. Just the sound effect kind of changed to 
Um, and the second issue is that actually when people do come out with some more, uh, you know, rewritten translations like novels, a lot of fans complain. Possibly some fans miss the very audience. So, um, it, you know, so they have, just like with modern translation, they have to balance, strike a balance between literal and making it sound more natural in English. Jason, I think part of the issue, too, is that, for example, I've only worked on manga in terms of written medium. I have not yet touched light novels because I'm concerned about quality as well, whether I can produce the quality that is necessary. But I think a lot of the a lot of things that we struggle with, too, is that you don't always have editors that read Japanese. So if, they, if you're a really strong background in writing, then that makes up for it. Well, a lot of times, some of the miscommunications that occur, and then you know, sometimes I get the final comp copy in the mail, and go, "Oh my God, why did someone ask me about this? Like, the clarify the header." Is because you are working with people that may know one. I mean, the translators officers should know, uh, should be bilingual to some aspect, but not all the editors and copy editors are. Scanlations, you mean on the online? Like when they're thinking about making it like uh, 
for the market. How would we get onto it? Like, where they do come up? Would it be like Netflix type idea? This or is the Nobody's really figured out how to make a working economic model for this year. It's all sort of, and this goes. It started in Japan, though, where there are manga that you can download onto your PDA cell phone, um, other portable devices similar to the PSP and so forth. And the way it works is that it only has, obviously, one or two panels at a time, but certain parts of the panel loose. So it's almost like a mini anime, but not really. And uh, the problem there is then, is I think more in the programming was making it work on US devices. But I was pleasantly surprised because there was someone pulling a penny pad during this convention with a barcode scan that they have to have their cell phones. And I was wondering, are there American cell phones that can actually scan them? Because I've always seen these barcodes. Right, but the, the, the little Oh, it's just a graphic element. It's not a real word. I mean, it's It's a decisions that we have to make. It is not a science by any stretch of the imagination. 
every single day, every one of us up here who does this job has to make decisions. What are we going to leave out? What are we going to leave in? It is never a perfect one-to-one -one match, unless you're saying, who's going? Me. Me and her. All right, that you can get a pretty much one-to-one -one English champion. Outside of that, anything more difficult than that, and it's... Well, unless it says me and that person, and then you have to guess, is the other person male, female, neither, animal? Don't. Everyone up here could probably go on for the next three hours about all of the different kinds of decisions we've had to make. The way that I usually think about it is if, if you're a really good translator, you can look past you know, the words on the page and, and you have to identify what the author is doing in each, in each instance, you know, each conversation. Uh, you know, sometimes it's expository stuff where obviously you want to get every word right because that's detail that's important to the story. Sometimes, you know, the characters might be saying something aside from, you know, what what they are literally saying, you have to be able to identify that and bring that across properly into English. And that, I think, is, you know, if you can do that, then you're, then you're, you're good enough to be. And then there's the whole layer of production problems where we've only got a little bit of this Right, yeah. right. There's, you know, my favorite translation uh, uh, example is there's a great Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's pretending like he's some Polynesian king and Oprah Bud is washed up on this island somewhere. And he goes, um, and then something, hello. <laughs> well, my name is Fred. I'm the king of this island. You know, that happens to us on a, on a daily basis. So, um, one of the main points about uh, translation is it's all contextual. Yeah. It, uh, also, they're depending on character and intention, as uh, Stephen was saying. That uh, everything that uh, everything is aimed at trying to get the point across rather than trying to get the words across. So what you're doing is uh, basically taking the context, working it out in your mind, and trying to figure out, okay, what was the author trying to do there, and putting, putting it the same, uh, the same context the same way in there. So the, with a word like Nakama, it was just doing that in fairy tale. And with, fortunately, in the fairy tale, the word friends works. You, you, can, you can use friends because they're friends. Uh, but there are times when it's iffy. Uh, on the times when it's really iffy, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> oh yeah, actually. In Naruto, I use both, depending on who is talking. But now it wants my grandfather. Right. Um, and oh, there's uh, the one thing that uh, some some of the uh, publishers do is give you uh, room in the back for translation notes. And in some cases, that can save your book. <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a word that you can't, you can't do, then sometimes you can leave it and reference it in the translation, translation notes. But that's really actually a pain. It's a pain, but it's, it's useful because a lot of times there's not really room in the story to like bring in the cultural aspect that's there. You know, it's for the Japanese audience, it's kind of a given. You know, eh, yeah, I know that. You know, but you know, you have to stop and explain it. It's kind of like you know. Like, couple of different choices, put notes or try and cram into the exposition or you can just put it in the back and a lot of times you go with that. You have to go with the choice that does the least damage. Yeah, but that's right. It's less, least jarring, you know, it's least disruptive. There's another thing that's also I think is interesting that kind of comes up. We were talking about the sort of recurring words in a series like in one piece of fairy tales that like, keep getting over and over again. I think that's even more prevalent than anything in uh, anime strips. 
is they don't have keywords. In the Japanese version, they will hammer these keywords over and over and over. Again, to use another kind of low example, you have one that, like a lot of current anime, that show has certain kind of keywords on the means or it means innovation or reformation or any number of other things. And in Japanese, you get a lot of plays on the meaning of those reformation or innovating or doing this or doing that. It's always the same word. And when you're doing the English version, personally, I feel that if you're going to reflect the kind of thematic through line of the show, you're better off just picking one phrasing for that and trying to stick with it as much as possible, rather than just going all over the map from one week to another, from one episode to another, from one conversation to another, because then you lose that kind of thematic sledgehammering that the Japanese writers were trying to get you. Sometimes it's built into the series. I remember um, I was working on a, a book and we were doing X TV series and we were really noticing in the Japanese that they were just hitting us uh, on the word of fate. Destiny, destiny, over and over and over. And it was like they really wanted you to hear it every time, you know, and just like, here it goes. It's all about the destiny. And it got, the, the translation kind of sometimes varied it up a little bit to keep it from being monotonous, but you know, obviously it's written to be monotonous. You know, to really, really make sure you got it every week. You know, like, you know, you might have forgotten since last week is all about Justin. So sometimes, sometimes that is intentional, you know, when they when they write these things, they do kind of have a, a rhythm that gets translation-wise, sometimes it's a, it's a bit of a challenge to, to spot that, that they actually have this beat that they're hitting. And sometimes it can get lost. And sometimes it can backfire. Like, for example, in Naruto, in the manga, the decision was made that we weren't gonna a lot of manga, especially in shonen manga, they have their characters differentiate each other by adding little speech mannerisms. You know, they know And in the anime, it's been translated, but in the manga, we made the decision that it was it was just going to be dropped. And then later on, when they were translating the Naruto fan book, and there's actually one page that says, "Let's count and see how many times each character says this particular mannerism." My editor had literally emailed me um, and said. Uh, I don't get this page. Can you explain this page to me? I said, this is why uh, dropping the speech mannerisms can backfire because now we can't say this is how many times Sakura says this and this is how many times Naruto says this because we've never used that in English. And even more, uh, some, uh, a lot of times those mannerisms are, are indicators of the speaker in a bubble that's just a panel that's just a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And the speech mannerism comes up at the very end, and it tells the reader who the speaker is. And if you drop those speech mannerisms, the English reader will not know who is speaking unless you do really great characterization. And we have to live with problems that were created by whoever translated or edited the first volume. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right. Uh, sometimes, uh, most of the work I get now, I'm starting at volume three. I have to live with the issues that have been created by the people who edited volume one and two. And most of the time they're doing a wonderful job, I love them very much, but every once in a while I'll find something in volume three and I can already say, oh, um, I could because it's going to be something like this where I know this is going to be a problem. Like, well, the biggest issue I've come up with recently was that, um, and this is something I, I'm a hardcore person about leaving it as much the names in Japanese order and using last names when they use last names. It's a whole series where the decisions made to call everybody by their first names. And then in like volume 10, the love interest says, okay, we're, we're kind of getting together. I want you to start calling me by my first name. <laughs> 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 so 
to the money. No, but did you then switch it to... No, I'm sorry. I didn't think it. Manga translators, it's 
specifically monitor translators. I, I get emails from so many of them. And um, that makes it highly competitive, but I also encourages companies to basically pay nothing because they can, uh, you know, they know that there are people out there who will, who will practically give them like acceptable ideas and translations for very little money. So, um, yeah, so the Mongo translation rates are not very high. And, and there is less, and there's probably less work now than there was about, there's definitely less work now than there was two years ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is a, it is an uncertain, it's an uncertain thing to like, to like analyze those on. But uh, they're going to have lots of other uses for Japanese. You can translate technical manuals, um, <laughs> legal documents, um, okay, yeah. And you're much more likely to get your foot in the door with a publishing company if you have non-monobite experience, rather than just saying, well, I did a couple of scripts for my high school or college anime club. So you want a you want a legitimate background. I would also highly recommend something that is uh, underground. There's a lot of people who don't realize how important it is as a translator, manga or otherwise, how to be a good writer in English. Learn, you know, I would almost rather have well, in a lot of us in a lot of manga we work with, you have the literal translator, and then you have a rewriter because someone who is a very very good and talented translator may be able just a lousy prose slash dialogue writer. And sometimes we have to, either we have to redo it ourselves or have somebody else redo it. So I strongly recommend anybody who wants to be a translator take a whole lot of English composition courses. And if you want to be a manga translator, take scrutiny. And it is worth remembering how much research is involved, even in your average manga and production. Uh, in Japan, they love feed scare, they love to load things down with like uh, mythological facts and names kind of pulled from God knows where and astrology and like technical stuff. So it doesn't hurt you to like try to translate other stuff that's not real manga because you're going to get hit with it. Although so not just, just read. Just read and just read the library. Uh, basically, the, um, ever since I started, you, I, I've had to sit in the library and do, you know, Lots of hours of trying to figure out what the what the author was trying to get at. Uh, I, I've had things on you know uh, Japan in the 300s. I've done things on tantric Buddhism, and I'm walking into it. I, I, all I was saying to the you know to the publisher was, sure, I can do it because that's the way freelancers get get jobs. And then the rest of the time, great surgery, no problem. I've <laughs> <laughs> the library. More recently, it's better with the internet, but it, it's still lots and lots of research. It's basically how I've found that I, I am successful as a professional. I basically, I, I take every assignment they give me, because sometimes they're, you know, like they, they get a trouble title and they can't get anyone to, to pick it up. They know that I'm the guy who will do it and, uh, you know, make sure that it's just as polished as possible. As they have to do it as little work as possible to make sure that it's it's ready to be, be published because you know if you if you have very good writing skills I mean, you don't even need to, to worry about hiring a, a rewriter or you know having any extensive editing and that's you know they, they will love love when you do that. And sort of side note, um, I've gotten some email I've gotten an email from one guy who's all like, I want to get in the manga industry. Like how can I do it? Should I send in Japanese? Or should I become like get study like design instead of English? And like all of these are totally different things. You I mean like the chances of getting in the manga industry are, are I mean 
they're not awful, but you know, you can't like pin your life on getting into the manga industry, you know. I mean, you can, you know, there's, I mean, there, you know, there's many different way aspects of, um, of manga and anime. And um, from the, you know, the art, you know, from the, like, the creating it yourself, from being an artist, to, um, you know, translation, to, you know, other related, to like, other related, you know, Japan related cultural and historical studies. Um, if you want to, if you want to get into it because you want to meet the market don't become a translator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never meet them. Dude, if you never. want to get into the medium to, to uh, meet the market go into the market. Yeah. Yes. The marketing people are the people who actually need the money. Right. Like the section. Of course, then they'll do end up doing marketing for like a company that makes toilet seat covers. But that's right. <laughs> and as opposed to us, they'll have a salad. <laughs> it's very interesting because I actually had many of the same questions. So um, I'm going to ask, I guess, you said that Jonathan, that if you wanted to, you know, if you really love to write and writing is what you love to do, that you suggest becoming an editor versus becoming a translator. And actually that, since I, I would have to go back to school and actually learn Japanese, that's actually not what appeals to me more. But my question is, when other than traditional, you know, editing and copywriting experience, what is it that companies like them are really looking for in this job market? Because it is so and what are some things that you are very serious about can do to sort of give them that edge that they need to make it? You need to be, you need, well, not to prevent but for any company, having any sort of publishing experience helps. Uh, and and pros, in fact, uh, because that's still the biggest, bigger part of the industry. Having a good, strong writing background in English, as well as strong Japanese skills. If you've done marketing or if you've done any sort of licensing, that would help too. Uh, I think, in fact, the forefront now is really the, the licensors are really the people that get the titles to the companies, whether it's from the Japanese side or from the English side. So I think that's really where a lot of the work is right now. And also the flexibility. A lot of us who are translators, even some editors, do not work where the company is. I'm in New York. Delray is the first company I've worked for that actually is in my backyard. I've never even met my direct editor, some of my direct editors at this because they're in San Francisco. If you're working for the company, don't expect that you are able to move to where the company is located if you're going to be for other staff. Um, when I was hiring editors at this, the main thing I was looking for was professionalism uh, and a certain lack of flakiness. Uh, the hardest thing to do is to figure out, uh, aside from that, of course, you want them to like manga. Uh, and you'd be surprised at the number of people who come in with no idea and still interview. Um, and, well, I mean, times are tough and in, in anybody's life at certain points and they, they need jobs, but uh, there are enough people out there who like manga and, you know, have the basic requisite skills. Of course, for, for editing, you're going to be copying and copy editing, and you're going to want, want to know your grammar. Knowing Japanese is an absolute plus, because it means that you can also, you know, have an insight on what your translator is trying to do. So uh, that was another big thing. Um, and so any proof that you are a steady person will be put out a lot of work at a regular pace. And mean deadlines. Right. Deadlines. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I have two questions, if you'll indulge me. Um, the first is a marketing question. This goes back to uh, the issue that uh, you identified toward the beginning of this Q&A, um, uh, competing against uh, bad translations. What can the business do to incentivize consumers to purchase the official licensed product over just going and finding the fan translations over the internet? Guilt and shame, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I think that a scenario where a mom is a bad over anime. The anime is really suffering. And the experience of watching anime on the computer is not so different from watching anime. Uh, for the experience of live reading manga, flipping pages through a translation is a little more annoying and a little harder to do on your iPhone or whatever. It's, you know, it's not quite um, do we Anyway, do I have an answer to his question? No. We're the wrong panel for it. We're all freelancers. You know. <laughs> it's something the industry is trying to figure out. It's basically a case of where I think, in general, most people, if it's available and it's there by the price is reasonable, they prefer to just buy the product rather than have to go through a lot of hassles, like, you know, digging it up online and downloading, blah, blah, blah. It depends on your situation. You know, if, if, if money is, like, you know, the number one consideration, then, you know, it's pretty the way to go. Uh, if, you know, you have the choice of you've got one for a hole in your pocket, you prefer to have the actual product. I think that's generally the case. The problem is, a lot of it is, getting it, it's trying to be released. So I think that's the biggest thing people are working on. You're both here at the Japan, it's trying to get it out there, it's available online, and just kind of like, so you can have it right away, you know, if you want it, so you don't have the option of like sitting there and kind of thinking about it. I think the, the, the timeliness thing could actually be a big factor here, because I, it's really, those, those, those kind of guys, they're quick. There will be, be TV series that are on the air and like Glasgow's episode will already have been like, you know, fan subbed and posted everywhere before next week's episode ends. You know, that's for people who are concerned with timeliness, the only way I think you could really sort of like beat the fan guys at that game is just to do a simultaneous multilingual release. Kind of like what they do now increasingly with Hollywood movies. Where they don't wait, you know, they don't keep the guys in you know Russia or Hong Kong waiting for months bootlegging before they get a chance to do these Spider-Man movies, it's just it's there. Now, now we're seeing that, for example, with Nicknet, which is um, Flashing Info's new title, yeah. that this is uh, working to release simultaneously. At the moment it hits the press in Japan, it's being released digitally uh, online in the U.S. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. I mean, Inuyasha was almost simultaneous when it launched, but then it couldn't be felt much. It was like just a way to go all but I think that's changing because people are more That's all And it's really even not a new thing. I mean, that's from where I remember the year now. It's been a while there. I was even stuck back in the 60s. Yeah, they aired in the US and it didn't even air in Japan. So we're good. Really interesting. Interrupting. Ask how we're doing for time. We're less than five minutes. Oh, no. Okay. I don't think we're going to get to your next question. I understand. Thank you very much. Sorry. Sorry. Um, my question kind of went back to the mills thing, but in the back of the road. 
I've written a blog where they'll have like little asterisks about like little things. And then it's on the page. Yeah, and then I'll flip back and there's nothing on there. And I don't want anything they don't do it on the PowerPoint. I like the publisher because sometimes they may have gotten missed in the printing and they can correct it in the second or third printing. Yeah, it's always worth telling the publisher this. Yes. Uh, always, always worth it. Tell them you were This next segment, this is the Archaea Comics panel. It's a indie comic book label that um, produces noir comics. And enjoy. Right? There's no zombies out there. <laughs> the only 
only person who decided to give her a little credence is uh, private detective Derek Peters, who didn't listen to her once before and regretted it. So while he's digging into her information, even though he doesn't believe her, uh, he finds out she might not be as crazy as she seems. And he follows the city over the course of a year as the situation slowly escalates. They just give you food Right? That's, uh, it's just it's, it's existential. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we were scrolling through some pages and covers uh, drawn by artists, Alex, I Alex put them on. Alex, could you walk us through your drawing style and uh, what do you think this brings to the story that you wrote? Yeah, I can try. Um, from page to page, I work with a different which is probably pretty obvious from the images they're showing, uh, which is a terrible idea. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's some rough pencils, you can 
some of it, like scratch handwriting, and a couple of uh, sample pages with full color. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things that you can find uh, within that, and also online the other Union Art account at scoobytan.com, and also scoobytan.com, too. Thank you very much. The viewing on the Kindle today um, is uh, the first black and white comic to be first digitally on the Kindle before coming out of print, called Tumor, written by Richard Joshua Hill and Al Powell.
And the first, the first chapter uh, is available for free right now. -ish. So if anybody has iPhones or iPod Touches, there's actually a Kindle app that works on the iPhone and the iPod Touch. So you can download that app and then buy the books on, uh, on Kindle Store and download to your phone and you can also read an app right. So it's going right now, there's going to be a new chapter every three weeks until all later out. And then there'll be a beautiful hardcover collection from the right there. Hey, Alex Chandler and Josh from uh, I found that the Archaea booth just today and tomorrow. So if you want to come by and say hello and learn more about their project, thank you. For now, let's give them all a hand. Thank you. 
people that are successful and talented as Mr. Love and others, it's been really interesting for me to see the ways in which storytelling can unfold in that particular space. So from that point, we aligned ourselves with two other people that we also went to school with, and those guys are sitting to my, my right, Michael McMillan and Victor Kima. <laughs>
Hope you guys get, get it. Take a look at it. Definitely get the poster. It's coming out soon. So, I mean, maybe Stephen can talk a little bit more about kind of the bonuses of it. Well, uh, the cool thing about Mr. Murder is uh, Like Tumor, out now, tumorcomic.com. Uh, like Tumor, Mr. Murder is going to be debuting on the Kindle. It's a black and white graphic novel. We're going to be debuting it on there. And of course, you can also get it through your iPhones, your iPod touches. Uh, through the Amazon Kindle app. And then it's going to come out in a beautiful black and white hardcover uh, diagnosis edition. So we're really, uh, it, it's an awesome book. I mean, I, I was kind of, uh, it was nice to have, when I met all these guys, I, I was like, okay, you know, I'm curious to see what they have. And then they actually pitched me the ideas, and the ideas were really good, and they're really different. And it's, it's comics that, it's comics that I haven't read before, and it's comics that we at Pay haven't read before. And that was something that, was really exciting because that's that's what we like to do. And there's so many publishers out there, and there's so many comics that come out all the time. So when you want to publish something, when you put the time and effort that it takes to make something like this really good, you want to do something unique. And you know, I felt so lucky that before the door brought you know two amazing ideas and two incredible writers that I'd never met before. We were just awesome guys as well. So, and then when we felt so lucky when we met Stephen that uh, he looked like. Yeah, so far. Right? So, it's been very good for us. And then we made out. Behind the door. Yeah. But one of the things that uh, that our company really wants to do and that we found a real echo with in uh, in our day was tell new stories and different stories. And uh, you know, both Victor and Michael have really unique and. Uh, vivid imagination, so nothing feels derivative, you know, one of the challenges in the entertainment industry in general uh, today is finding original voices that people are willing to stand behind, uh, because often the most original voices are the newest voices and the voices that haven't really been tested by time and the challenges of any particular facet of the industry, um, and, and that's why it's really nice to align ourselves with a company that uh, believes the same thing, um, you know, I, I'm most interested in uh, trust and, uh, and and belief in people, and so uh, as a company, it's really great that we're able to work with people that we have that with implicitly, and, and, and that seems to be everybody you see sitting up here. So, um, Mr. Murder is Dead is, uh, is, our, is our real first offering, like yeah, and uh, and we're all really excited about it. Um, you know, for me, it's like the the, the oldness of it, right? Like uh, it's not it's not slick, it's not shiny. There's a grittiness to it, and there's levels. It's operating on a lot of different levels. There's stories within the story. There's the history of these characters, which in so many ways is brighter than their, their presence. And, uh, and they're struggling with a lot of things. Anybody that knows our, our logo reflects it, like the shadow is something that's really important. And so to bring it into the stories that we're telling and making sure that you're always sort of exploring and examining in a human way, I think is really like has an exciting and draws an audience in. So hopefully everybody here feels that way as well. Uh, and then also the the what? Yeah, the second part of the working on, which is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, the world that's been created, which was created by uh, Michael McMillan. Woo! <laughs> so Michael can talk a little bit about that. Michael McMillan from True Blood and also from What About You. Woo! Said about working with these guys, I feel absolutely the same way. These are dear, dear friends of mine. This, this is really uh, such an exciting thing for me because uh, you know I, I grew up with two loves: acting and comic books. 
And uh, actually, you know, was reading comic books well before I ever did school play. Uh, and so this has been a, a big dream of mine is to, is to work in comics. Um, so the, the book is really cool. I, you know, I, I'm inspired by a lot of things, but uh, Lucid comes out of um, one thing in particular that I've really been interested in is this historical figure named John Dee, who was uh, Queen Elizabeth I's uh, court magician, and he was an alchemist, and a mathematician, and a scryer, and all these you know, fun medieval magical things. And uh, he was an advisor. And uh, he would tell everyone to go to war, he would tell everyone to have parties, he would tell everyone to throw weddings, even though she didn't really that one, I guess. Um, maybe he told everyone to get married, I don't know. Um, but uh, he, he was also credited at one point for, I, I think, sinking ships in the Spanish Armada when they were attacking England uh, by creating a storm. And this was something that historically he was known for. So it was a really cool idea, and they got him thinking like, you know, what if we had that today? What if, you know, like Barack Obama had like some like ass-kicking combat mage like, <laughs> trying to like solve the problems of the free world, you know? thing. And then what would happen if that power was ever abused? So, Lucy um, takes place in an alternate uh, universe, parallel universe, where all the world powers have working for them these black ops combat mages. Uh, I've, I've sort of coined them with the affectionate term of secret mages. Uh, which I don't know if we'll actually use in the comic, but it's kind of become our, 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 uh, our affectionate term for them. And they're running around in secret, behind the scenes, uh, you know, working with counterintelligence, protecting national interests, waging secret wars. Uh, so this is a world where it's, it's modern times. Uh, there's a new president, very similar to the one that we have, who has a lot of promise of, of leading us to a, a new
agree that my view is to focus on the stuff we're talking about here on the panel. Uh, so if you guys are respectful of that, that would be terrific. I'm curious. Well, I'll be I'm curious. Most of the titles seem to be war based. War based? Noir. Noir. Yeah. And I'm wondering why that is. Is that the thing? Is it the setting? Or well, Mr. Murder is dead. is definitely a, a, has, has some pretty traditional noir elements to the, to the style of storytelling and also uh, uh, the way that the story unfolds. Um, Lucid sort of exists in a little bit of a different space. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more sort of magical, but, but, but grounded in reality, so there's more, uh, there's more substance to it. Here's the answer, answer right now. John too and the and the lucid image kind of stems from that's sort of the traditional sidearm of the secret agent. And uh, if you notice there's sort of a magic symbol, uh, a little pentagram up there. Um, just to hint that that there could be uh, sort of a in this universe I kinda of wanna play with the idea that uh, you know, theatrics and weapons perhaps are infused with, with magic as well. So just a little taste, a little thing. Lucid is coming out later. And uh, so that's just a little bit of a teaser. Yeah, the thing that we're going into right now. No, it's not. We're going into right now. That was like that. That was the kind of magic probably we took the whole time to get through that. I was like, I'm so glad there's an image up there. And if I turned and saw the scene that there wasn't, can you install the bar? Can you actually act out the poster? Yeah. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, um, what are some of the things that inspired you guys to do um, street stuff? Well, you know, collectively, uh, for me, the inspiration for all of it is like really giving people that I respect and love the opportunity based on my experience. And uh, so that's really the genesis of our company, which is like, I know we know so many people who are enormously talented and have so much to say and just really need a place to say it. And the fact that like, for whatever reason, my path has led me to this point, it's like, I'm so excited to extend that to and share that with the people that have inspired me along the way. So that was really the genesis of the company. And then these guys can talk about creative points of departure for their specific projects. Uh, well, for Mr. Murder's Dead, it was definitely uh, the question at its heart is purpose. It's kind of an existential question of what do you do when you don't have, or you don't connect, or you, you're no longer there. Or, you know, so it was, this, it was this big, nice, fat, philosophical question that I could put guns and bullets and girls and drugs to, and, and that made it exciting. Not unlike the personal life. <laughs> For me, for, you know, with Lucid, it's kind of this, uh, you know, I've, I've always uh, been drawn to this, uh, I don't know, in my own mind, this, this hope, this wish that there's something more, you know, that there's something bigger out there, and I think it's uh, something that we all relate to. It's why we love comics, it's why we love genres, you know, it's why we're fiction fans. So I wanted to take um, this idea that there is something about the world that most people don't know that is that's helping us, that we can use, that we can tap into for hopefully a greater good. But, you know, it's also a melting pot for all the things that I've loved growing up, watching and reading. And, you know, I think it's going to be really fun. Bye.
wasn't a collaboration because we, it's like we talked to one another anyway because we're friends and so that's always a great place yeah. to start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, I like that. Um, so then these guys have talked about this specific process. Research wise, you know, uh, definitely there's going to be a lot of research problems. Like every, every writer uh, needs to look up some facts before they write a story. Um, so I'll be jumping into a lot of stuff with Lucy in particular. I really just read a ton of comics. That's absolutely what I did. I just looked at more. It was great. I love it. You know, one thing uh, I want to say about Mr. Murder uh, that, that uh, we all kind of talked about and decided to do that we're developing from the start. Um, this guy has been around a long time and he's a very old guy and we're kind of doing flashbacks so that the readers can see parts of his life as we go through the graphic novel. And those flashbacks are being done in the style of the comics that were done at the time of the flashback. So that we're flashing back to the 1950s. It's done in the style of the 1950s comic book. And it's done in the 60s, you know, it's like Batman, this, man, wow. You know, in the 70s, it gets a little darker, 80s, you know, very Frank Miller style. So uh, the, the exciting thing working with Victor has been the, the fact that Victor's done all the research and, and, and Corey, you know, being a resident comic geek before the door has, you know, they, they've done a lot of research. <laughs> and uh, it, it's great to kind of pay tribute to the history of this, this industry, the comics industry that we all know and we all love through the tale of, of this character as he kind of goes along and, and progresses. Uh, through his life, basically. So, uh, so they, there's been a, a ton of research that's gone into this. Lots of fun.
Actually, uh, uh, Michael and I, during a, uh, a recent meeting, um, a few days ago, we announced that Arcadia partnered with Tencent. And we uh, <laughs> so uh, Michael and I were having one of our regular decaps where we will uh, talk about comics for three hours and be like, yes, we got to do the business, so okay, we're going to do it. And that's about five minutes of conversation. Uh, you gave me a great laboratory pitch. So, uh, 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 uh,